Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of the Free Agents Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. It is Saturday. Uh, the last episode got a little bit delayed because of unforeseen circumstances. So hopefully this goes up today. Uh, knock on wood, you're listening <laughs> to this goal. on a Saturday. Yeah. Uh, if it doesn't, then we apologize. Wait. Uh, <laughs> We There's lead very busy. Do. We lead very busy lives, uh, but maybe Andrew doesn't, which Leah can talk about a little bit. <laughs> um, we will know. So, obviously, we, I just mentioned Leah. Our guest is Leah Chansky, uh, our guest, our former adjunct professor, uh, and works at CSM, a uh, an agency that has clients all over the world. Uh, and Andrew is actually currently interning for them, so you can talk a little bit more about that as well, Andrew. But we're so lucky to have you on. Uh, it's going to be a great conversation. I think we're going to learn a lot about how to get hired for jobs because I think that that's a very helpful tip for everybody now. Um, yeah. But again, thanks so much for taking the time out, Leah, to be here. Uh, we appreciate you. Happy to be here. Thanks for asking me to do this. This is so fun. Yeah, of course. Well, just to get it started, um, we were just thinking, like, talk a little bit about yourself. What has Leah Chansky been up to? Sure. So, um, for work, I am the director of people and talent at CSM. Um, that I've been at CSM for now almost seven years, which is crazy. Um, I moved to Denver. Or I was living in New York for five years. Moved to Denver right before the pandemic. My husband got a new job, so we had to move. I was devastated. Um, but Denver is a great place. It's just not New York. Um, and uh, what do I do here? Um, COVID's weird and trying to meet people, but working on it. I went to school at the University of Colorado, so I still have some college friends. My family's here, which is great. That's um, nice. So that is nice. So yeah. hanging out with them and trying to find fun things to do that isn't New York stuff. So <laughs> Without hey, the pizza. Enough. Yeah, the pizza, yeah. I've been cool. trying to find good stuff. It's still a work in progress. Um, yeah. <laughs> we have, I think it's uh, just a big uh, trial and error. And it was like, Gold Belly is offering 30% off of Joe's Pizza in New York. And I was like, I mean, is that even a question? Like, why are we is that? <laughs> <laughs> I think the only thing I know about Denver pizza is it, there, was a, there was a pizzeria in Denver that was on an episode of Kitchen Nightmares. Oh, uh, great. So, yeah, that's, don't go there. I can say, I, well, I'll, no, I'll now it might be good. You know what? That's actually nice. I'm like, I mean, I, I'm down to try any type of pizza. The Denver thing is that you put um, honey on your crust, which I'm all about. If you haven't tried, especially Mike's hot honey, okay. that is like real good. So you I, I've heard Mike's is good. Real good. So that, yeah. that is their contribution to the pizza world. But other than that, it's pretty, um, <laughs> pretty bleak. Uh, comparatively you know it's pretty dry <laughs> yeah when, when you have to put honey on the crust to make your pizza interesting i don't know if, if well, you're doing pizza that's yeah fair. that's fair yeah. that and, and bagels. there's one hey, place learning tidbit number one yes hot, hot hot honey on your crust and the bagels are definitely to be desired so um when uh, i go to new york yes. i will be stocking up and then freezing them that's my trick that's a good I idea think you can you can send bagels from new york to uh your your place in denver True. I have to find the right place is the place by the CSM office. It's called Best Bagel on 35th and between 7th and 8th. That's the best bagel hands down in New York. And it's a secret spot. So now I've, you know, told everyone. You've, you've unveiled your secret. I have. <laughs> yeah, anyone who's, anyone who's listening and has a real. Uh, yeah. So that, that's <laughs> that real gem. Yeah. Next time I'm up there, I will definitely 
Grab a bagel. Yeah, the only one here who can bagel. actually get that is Matt. So that's true. <laughs> it's true. That's time I can to do a little. <laughs> yeah, a little free agents vlog uh, at Best Bagel. Um, <laughs> I love that. We're just going to send you to do reviews. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm one bite. Everyone knows the rules. Um, yes, it's yeah. true. So switching gears a little bit, um, yes. I think all of us currently, uh, for the most part, are seeking our first job, first you know, big boy job. Yeah. Uh, so we're wondering, how did you get your first job? Sure. Uh, was it what you wanted to do right off the bat? And how did your first experience, you know, shape the rest of your career and where you've ended up today? Yeah. So I'll start really with my senior year internship. Second semester, I worked for the Pepsi Center um, doing event management operations for the Women's Final Four basketball tournament in 2012, which is a long time ago. Um, best internship ever. I loved it. And I loved my boss. And, um, at around the time of, well, I guess I got my job, kind of my job earlier. I, I was kind of worried. I was I'm very type A, wanted to get a job right out of college, but I also really want to work for the Colorado Rockies. I want to work for a baseball team in general. And, um, they had an events and promotions role. I thought I wanted to go into events and I applied somehow got it because typically, Come to find out at that time, it was a lot of like who you knew. I knew no one. And they hired me. I was the youngest person, actually. A lot of people who were way older than me that like, I don't know, they were doing this part-time job. I was getting paid minimum wage. It was the best job I've ever had. Um, but it was not paying the bills. <laughs> and it was only during game days. Yeah. I would like go find people to go play games or I would do national anthem on the field. And like as a baseball fan, that was so cool. But um, I needed something else. So I took an internship, which is funny now to think about because it was not an internship. It was a, I think it was free. I don't, I don't know. It This event company in Louisville, Colorado had just kind of opened. There was maybe like three full-time employees at the time. And uh, we were, it was at the time of they were doing the color run. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it was. Yeah, basically like I do. Project. I've done one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun, it's a fun run. It was like cool back then. So it was right when they started doing it. Um, they were having a Denver race. My company was called human movement, um, was doing the ops for it. And they were like, come to the Denver race and see what you think. And I was in charge of the orange color zone. So I looked like a bad spray tan nice. uh, when it was done. <laughs> um, at the time, I think it was maybe it was before I went to the orange color s- section or whatever, but I was uh, there was barricades out and I was it was for registration and they needed to get moved and they needed a funnel and it needed to like make sense. And so I just kind of did it myself. And Jeff, the owner of Human Movement, came up to me and he was like, How did you know how to do that? And I was like, I don't know. I just like knew how to do it. And he was like, Well, do you want a full time <laughs> job instead? And I was like, Sure, why not? And so. <laughs> He's like, I'll pay you $24,000. And I was like, great. At the time, I was like, I should have been like, is that even minimum wage? I don't know. And um, so I, I, that summer, I did two jobs. I still worked at the Rockies, and then I traveled around with the Color Run. And um, craziest summer of my life, but it was the thing that set me up for later in life. Um, the company, I traveled a lot. We, I started when there was like eight people. We grew to like 30 something. Um, it was like, I think about it, it's like PTSD in some capacity of like all the things I had to do. But uh, I ended up at, at, when I left, I was the vice president of events at 24. And I then 
was humbled when I got my job at Lead Dog, which is now CSM, to be a senior coordinator. And so that was a big fall from grace for me, uh, but really VP <laughs> of events at this company didn't make, mean anything, you know? Um, but the reason why I got my job in New York was um, I always wanted to move to New York. That was my dream. And um, I was like, who knows someone in New York? I don't know. And at the time I had no idea what experiential marketing was. I'm like, like brands pay agencies to do this. I thought they did it in house. That's truly what I thought. So um, then I asked my, the reason why going back Pepsi center, my boss who I love, I was like, who do you know there? He said, I know this one guy who's super nice. Just reach out to him. So I did. And he was a SVP um, at lead dog which his wife ended up being my boss for a long time, but he introduced me to people and they were like, let us know when you come to New York and we'll like maybe hire you. I was like, can you just hire me now? But <laughs> I didn't. And so I quit my job, moved to New York without a job. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, found the job in New York. We lived in like a 400 square foot apartment because that's what we could afford. And thankfully, lead dog, CSM hired me. So um, that is how I ended up at CSM. But it was a lot of saying yes to things that I like had no idea what I was doing. Specifically at Human Movement, my job was they were like, hey, uh, we're going to expand this thing called the Ugly Sweater Run. And I was like, cool. Uh, what do you want me to do? And they were like, well, we want you to event direct it. At, I think I was 20. <laughs> And go, go find eight cities and we're going to permit them and we're going to have 5,000 people show up. And I was like, cool. So I did that. And then uh, we grew it to 32 cities the next year. I was in charge of all of that. I honestly had no idea what I was doing, but uh, that's usually my motto in life is like, they t- if you get the opportunity, say yes, and then figure it out later. And so that's what I've been doing pretty much my whole career. So yeah. that's where I am. Precisely. That's my first first job with human movement, I guess, is what I would say, really. The Rockies were more of just like a fun summer thing, I would say. Yeah. As someone who also does like a fun summer baseball thing myself, I completely relate to the, uh, you know, the, the grind of working multiple things at once, especially like a game day experience yeah. job because – if it's, you know, night games are tough. Like if they run late, like it's a long day, you show up early, you leave late and then it's like, Oh, I have more work in the morning. And then you have to go back. I don't know. For me, it's, it's a grind, you know, it's fun to watch baseball and get paid for it. It's fun to like do the stuff around the stadium, but it's, you know, at end of a homestand, you're, you know, you're very drained. Your head hurts. You're like, can I have a two and a half hour game, please? Just one two and a half hour game. <laughs> the amount of times I've heard Matt just be like, please don't go to to, to extra innings. <laughs> or brain yeah. delays. Those are the worst. Yep. You just never know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. We took a lot of naps in our like locker room during that time. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that is not bad about rain delay is that if you're paid by the hour, it's just That's true. an hour. That, but, yeah, they were paying me to sleep. That's true. So, That's yeah. very true. Yeah. Not terrible. I'll, I can take that. Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. Well, just moving on a little bit, you've been working with CSM or Lead Dog for over six years now, starting in account management, and you moved into the manager role into the director of people and talent. But can you tell us just a little bit about your personal experiences moving up the corporate ladder with one company and yeah. really what you've taken away from those experiences? Sure. So 
uh, like I mentioned, I was in, in more on the event side. Um, so when I interviewed and would tell them about like the ugly sweater run specifically, I remember an SVP was like, you do all of that. And it's like, I don't know. I don't have any help. So, but I didn't want to get in. I didn't want to keep doing races, but that was my way into lead dog at the time. So I was hired on to produce uh, the Susan G. Komen race for the cure in central park, which honestly was like a dream because I central park to me was like the ultimate place. I always wanted to do an event there. That was so cool. So I was basically like the event director for that one for a few years. Um, along with some other events uh, for account management. And then I just kind of realized I, I liked events, but I always say the, the real epiphany was being in Central Park at like 3 a.m. with all of the critters, like the rats and the rats. <laughs> and then you're like, what am I doing with my life? I don't know. So uh, it got to a point where I was just like, I just don't know if this is sustainable for me for the rest of my life. I just don't know if I love it as much. And I enjoy being at events, but not like, running them as much anymore there. It's very stressful. It's very stressful. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I, at the time, Gina Hagedorn, who was our COO, um, she just needed some support. And um, before then one of the HR girls left and someone needed to run the intern program. And that was something I did at human movement and I loved it. And I knew that that was kind of where I wanted to be in general. But so I raised my hand and I was just like, Hey, I don't know if you, what the has happening to the intern program, but if you need someone to run it, like I'd love to do it. So they were like, yes, please. We need someone. So that kind of got me into like this new realm of the world at, at, C at CSM lead dog at the time. And, um, Gina needed extra help more on the resourcing side. So who is working on what, what are people good at? What are their skills? How should we be forming teams? And because I have had account management experience, I knew how this worked. So I think it would have been really hard for someone to come in from the outside to be able to help do this kind of role. So it, my actual previous experience really led into doing this, like we called it business operations. I don't know. And so I was basically <laughs> her, like, I would say I was more like a chief of staff for her of like whatever she needed, but also kind of like running the department from a resourcing perspective. So I did that for a while and then um, COVID happened. And then we lost a bunch of business because brands are like, well, we're not going to do events now. Everyone's stuck inside. Yeah. So yeah. Um, at the time then they were like, well, I was like, what am I going to do? I don't know. Like, am I going to get laid off? And at the time our head of HR and our generalist left and um, Gina kind of oversaw people in talent, which meant that I got involved in people in talent, whatever she got involved in. And then I kind of just realized like, this is where I really like to be, where I want to be moving forward. I could see myself from a career standpoint. Um, and because I had previous recruiting experience with interns, we weren't recruiting for a while. So it was more like a people generalist role, which my, my degrees in HR, which I never thought I'd actually use. And not that I really remember <laughs> that from that period of my life, but um, there's a reason, I guess, why I chose it. And so anyway, long story short, now I am the director of people and talent. I focus my efforts more on recruiting for North America. So Lead Dog got bought about four years ago. Um, CSM is now the organization that I work for that's global. Um, so, but North America consists mostly of Indianapolis, Charlotte, and New York, and then kind of like all over the country, like I'm random in Colorado, but 
Um, so I can easily do my job remote, which is really nice since I'm really across all offices. And then, um, so I don't do as much generalist work anymore, but mostly recruiting and like special projects. So seeing talent strategy, people recognition, how do we keep people engaged and wanting to be at CSM. So, um, because I, I think my roles, the biggest thing that I've learned is just like building off of one from another. And also again, saying yes to things that I may not have like a big background in recruiting. I, I don't, but I also, for me, I was talking to a friend the other day that works in Charlotte and he was like, well, you're kind of the perfect person to recruit because you were one of us at one point. And so you do know what we're looking for. You've worked with all these departments. Like you do actually know yeah. everything about all of the things at CSM. And <laughs> right. it is true. Like if I don't, I'm, I may not have like five years of recruiting experience, but I do know the business and I do know how to talk to it and organize people and know what a candidate experience should look like kind of thing. So um, that's what I do now. And it's, I've done it for the recruiting has come back. I would say what are we in August? Um, it picked up in January, I would say. Yes. So now I'm doing more of that and it's good. You know, I feel like I switched my job every two years. So I think that, I mean, that's, that's kind of cool in the sense that your role has been constantly changing. Cause at least for me, I would get kind of stir crazy if I was doing the same thing for like a super long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that it keeps kind of evolving towards more things that you find yourself interested in, I feel like is like the perfect thing. Yeah. Um, And especially on, on what you mentioned about like recruiting and being in the business first, I think that that's like vastly overlooked at a lot of places where, um, you can find someone who can recruit, but I think it's very hard to measure success until there's like years down the line. Yeah. But as someone who like yeah. worked in the roles that you're potentially hiring, you would obviously know how to gauge success in a much shorter amount of time because you were in that role yourself and you okay. could also quantify your own success yeah. in that role. So yeah. it's, it's great to hear that, um, you know, there are organizations prioritizing that. Um, not, I'm not calling anyone out. I'm not saying that anyone's not. Um, I'm just, I'm just saying. I think it's it's nice to see as someone who doesn't get to sit at those tables um, that there is like some sort of acknowledgement because um, yeah. we're you know all three of us are very disconnected from the uh, the human resources world because our only contact with them is mostly through email or virtually. Email. There's no yep. phone calls. So that's fair. And the reality, uh, I think it's a testament also to CSM and the people that I get to work with that. They're open yeah. to people switching up their, you know, what they do and would rather, and I always say this, like, we'd rather keep, I'm not calling myself a rock star, but if we had great people, we you would want to keep You should, you, you should. Know, we would want to keep them versus like them trying to go somewhere else. Because the reality was at the time when I switched into business operations, I probably would have left Lead Dog. And it wasn't because I didn't love the organization. It was just like, I knew that events weren't my thing anymore. So that. I was able to pivot. I'm really yeah. grateful that for that. Um, but that's one thing that I try, at least from a talent strategy perspective, if people came to me and they were like, can I try to go to a different department? If there was something open, I'd be like, for sure, let's do it. But, um, you know, it doesn't always work out that way, but I've been really lucky and grateful that it has for me. So. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's awesome. But um, going back real quick to event management, cause like over the summer, like what I've realized is working in event management is like, you're always, it always ends up with things being changed at the last second. You're always like putting up fires and working on the fly, but like, have, can you share any stories or like any events or activations that you've worked on where you had to pivot? Like, and then it ended up being successful. Like it was just like a crazy fire. And then you just like, yeah, it worked out in the end. Yeah. 
Um, yes, I do have one good story. Um, I was working on something called the uh, Hudson River Park Games. And that is a, it was a, a nonprofit organization in New York. They're raising money for Hudson River Park. Um, and it was a brand new event. Uh, first year, successful, you know, some, we needed to do some tweaks, whatever. Second year, it was going to monsoon the entire time. And we're like, well, shoot. <laughs> and, um, no. and we're like, what do we do? Because yeah. one, we have this, we've created this like giant obstacle course on Pier 26 with a, with a school bus. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> and we also had something called the pentathlon, which um, was like, I want to say about 200 uh, young professionals basically playing in like an Olympic style pentathlon team sport thing. Um like Goldman Sachs and blah, 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 a bunch of teams, Citibank. We'll all come and play these games. And at right. the time we were doing them like across Pier 25, which is a, probably like a good half mile walk to Pier 40, maybe more. And we were like, well, we can't like make these people walk back and forth in the pouring down rain. Like we're not going to cancel this thing unless it lightnings because there is no other right. a weekend. So um, we ended up moving the whole pentathlon to 40. And it was the greatest thing ever because uh, people didn't have to go back and forth. Everyone was kind of together. It was like a way more fun environment. The reason why we had it on 25 was so that people like could see it going on because at 40, it's kind of all contained in the in, inside. And then if you didn't know it was happening, you wouldn't go in there. Um, but from a participant experience, yeah. it actually was right. awesome. And then the next year, we ended up just doing it at 40 because everyone loved it so much. So we kind of took something that was like very scary, not scary, but like annoying about the rain and are people going to show up? Yeah. Are we going to do right. this? To something that actually like was way better and we got great feedback on. So, um, but at the time it was also very stressful <laughs> trying to move, figure out schedules and move it around. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. But it ended up being great. So at, at, at some point. Happened. Yeah, I mean, I, like at some point where you where you're like, well, it's just rain. Like it'll be an obstacle. It's part of the obstacle. You just got to get through yeah. the rain. Basically, yes. As long as it doesn't lightning, this just makes it more fun. I don't know. And we didn't have exactly. Everyone likes course. playing in the rain. We didn't have as many like great. Uh, we didn't have as good of a turnout, so we ended up not doing it the following year. But it was just like a learning curve. We ended up learning like pentathlon is actually the thing that is the best yeah. thing about this event. So uh, we just focused on that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think for events, it's very important to like factor in feedback, but it's so difficult to also account for the elements at the same time, <laughs> because that's just completely out of everyone's control. You can plan a giant event and then, oh, like it's going to rain. Like <laughs> we have to completely change what's going on, which is, yeah. I would say, just a very interesting part of life that any time you seem to plan something, like something has to go wrong. Um, but it's, it's yeah. you know. It's important to learn how to adapt, um, and I think that uh, at least for for us and and for you especially, you know, saying yes to a bunch of things is how you learn how to do that, because you have a lot of diverse experiences to to lean back on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the long and the short of it is, rain is really annoying. I most recently worked a NYCFC <laughs> soccer game, and it got delayed three hours for lightning, and that was <laughs> pretty painful. Um, that was yeah, really yeah. difficult. So yeah, at least I was inside. I wasn't outside, but you know, getting home yeah. at two thirty 
at it from an eight o'clock kickoff was oh lovely was tough um but i learned to adapt you know that's that's murphy's I, uh, law at its finest right there exactly. i'm not com- i'm not <laughs> complaining it was obviously you know i got to watch a free game and, and work the game but you know it was that's not sports it's for not you. fun you know no I I see, yeah <laughs> yeah that's true well Going uh, back to how you've worn a bunch of different hats at the company, you've clearly been able to develop a lot of different skills. So what skills were you able to utilize from your experiences at CSM while being an adjunct professor at NYU? And I was also wondering if there are any skills that you developed from your time as an adjunct professor that you can now translate and use at CSM. That's a good question. Um, I would say the biggest thing that I – I think the – Backstory on this adjunct professor thing is that um, (laughs) actually like one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, The reason why I even got introduced was someone knew someone who wanted to get involved at CSM to basically do this real world course with CSM. I was usually the catch all that was like, who do they send? Who do you send these things to? Okay, just send it to Leah and she'll figure it out. So I was like, wow, this is cool. (laughs) So I met. with NYU and Professor Hollander was like, um, hey, you have a good attitude. Do you want to teach? And I was like, that's literally the only requirement. Okay, cool. Let's do it. So, um, and NYU was like a dream school when I was in high school. I, I knew that wasn't where I was going to go, but I was like, oh man, I love NYU. This is so cool. So now I can say I was an adjunct professor. Like this yeah. is amazing. So I literally... They didn't give me any like guidelines. They were just like, figure it out. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So um, I think I just like, I, because I did the intern program stuff and a lot of that translated to what I was kind of uh, thinking about for this course. um, I took some of that, but I think the biggest things that I would say is that I don't know everything and if it was just me teaching on what I knew, it would be like a pretty boring class. And so I, um, I made sure to involve my friends at work that like actually knew how to build decks and how to brainstorm and like all these things that I may be lacking in, but I have the resources. So I think that that's what I try to do as much as possible. Um, is to bring in experts versus like me trying to think that I knew everything. So um, hopefully that was like a good thing, uh, you two, <laughs> um, of how I structured it. Was it. Great. But, um, no, it was fantastic. Yeah, I think that was like the biggest, I would. I don't know if it's a skill, but more just being resourceful with the people that are in my network um, to teach the things that I know that are important that I just may not have had as much experience in. Um, and what I took from, I think also, I mean, just saying yes was like the greatest thing that I did for that, for that class. I, I truly had no idea what I was doing and hopefully that didn't come across, you know, when I was like, at the school, but I just made it up as I went and, um, and being resourceful back to like my normal life of, you know, like I did this and I, I'm hoping to do it again, um, in some capacity, um, potentially somewhere around here. Um, but how like networking is just so important and the world is so small that, uh, I personally think, and I think probably think some of the things I did for adjunct, I brought back to the intern program at CSM. Um, but the world is just so small that 
maybe one day I'll be able to do it again in some capacity somewhere else. So um, I loved it. It was really, truly like I, one of I the- hope that you get to. It was a great experience. Yeah. I really, I, I remember like- Yeah, I've taken like, real, real world since. Yeah, that's good. I I remember sitting in that Nike room and being like, I am so proud of these kids. Like they did such a good job. And I I maybe facilitated, but I it, it was them who obviously came up with all these ideas. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I was worried about the decks. And I'm like, these look amazing. And so it was just like a proud moment for me. One Actually, truly one of my, the proudest moments I've had in my career of like, you know, I helped hopefully help these students to like further their careers and whatever they want to do. And they're going to be successful. And um, maybe I was a little part of that. But I that was one of my proudest moments, truly, of like more so than sometimes the events that I ever did or I don't know. So I loved it. We're, we're very thankful to have, have yeah. been a part of it. But I have a quick like note about that class because in my presentation, there were like two very specific ideas. And I don't, you obviously probably don't remember. This is so long ago, but um, <laughs> it was something with like the sneakers app, like the Nike sneakers app. Yeah. Um, and I hope that Nike's listening to this because I'm still like kind of pissed off about it. Um, <laughs> Matt's I, I came up with the, I came up with the idea of putting like more interactive content in the sneakers app okay. and like polls and like other things. And like I swear, six weeks later, there are polls, there are yeah, like interactive content say. in the sneakers yeah. app, and I have screenshots of like the mo- of the mockups that I made uh-huh. and the ones that they implemented, and they're like <laughs> very scarily similar. I never heard from them. I never got anything from them. Yeah, and they still do it. It's like very popular now. They're like yeah. using it to roll out stuff. So well, you know, just know that some of those ideas though. were implemented because I, I, mean, I know for sure. That's a good talking point. In I know, but they never like, like you actually credited. Yeah, that that's a problem with well those if you kind of yeah. write you you uh, write your uh, rights away when you do those types of projects yeah. in college. But but at least like yeah. in interviews you could say like yeah. you know I did this Nike project and guess what they're using it now like that's pretty cool. That's true. You have yeah. you have the the screenshots and you'd be like look at my deck look at these exactly. yeah yeah. <laughs> that's an, so that's that was just way. that was crazy. But I've taken real world since, and it's I would say that yours was definitely my favorite. Um, obviously I think the taking it on zoom was not yeah. ideal. Yeah. I'm not saying it would have been better, but, um, I think you did a really good job of like involving so many different people. I think that what real world sometimes struggles with is it's treated like a class instead of what it actually is, which is like yeah. a very short term internship yeah. at wherever yeah. this is. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't think we, you know, you needed lectures about things or like class assignments because you don't get that in an internship. You don't get that in the real world. There's no like, no. okay, write a paper and submit it. <laughs> no. I'm, not that I'm familiar with. Maybe there is, but. Um, Definitely not CSM. Think- not CSM. <laughs> no. There you go. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. Do it. Okay. A good, good plug for uh, CSM. You don't have to write any papers when you no. work there. Um, yes, exactly. That's a great selling point. That is. Yeah. Great selling point. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think you did a really good job of that, and Thanks. it's it, we we didn't know, at least me, Brandon, and I, that it was you had no experience at all, and that you were you know oh, yeah. doing it on the fly. We thought it was very uh, scheduled, very uh, on very on point. So fake it, fake it till you make it. Don't, that's don't worry that's about a your... big um, thing that I do. You think <laughs> yeah, most people do, honestly. <laughs> Say yes to different experiences, and then just fake it just till you make figure it. Figure it out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, that's one piece of advice. We have fake it till you make it. We have put honey on your pizza crust. Yep. And say yes. Um, is there, is there any, yeah, don't put honey on your pizza. 
No, I mean, that might not actually, be too bad. I, yeah, actually. It's still good. Still good. If that's all you have, we're, pu- we're pushing it. We're pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but is there any other advice that you've that you've used throughout your career that's helped you or that you've heard from other people that that has like put things into perspective or something? Any nuggets? I would say like the connections that you make are so important, like in your life in general. And if the people who get far along in careers are ones who do make those connections um, internally and externally. I mean, the reason why I got my job at the Pepsi Center was I knew someone who had that role before and she recommended me. Then the reason why I got the job at Lead Dog was because my old boss knew someone. And the reality is, is like the connections only get you in the door, but uh, they're so important. Yeah. And um, and I like really love the, the, the network that I have. And I hope that the interns or you guys and anyone that I've been in contact with along the way, just like that you guys just shine and continue to move up and like run the world. And I just get to be part of that in some capacity, you know? So, uh, I'll be hitting you up, you know, when you become the GM of a team and then I'm like, Hey, I need some tickets. Like that's probably happening. Hey, um, you'll you'll be the first person on my list. Yeah. You'll definitely get them. So yeah. We would also be the networking part is just so important. Not in like a weird way, not like in like a pushy way or, um, whatever. It's just like, it's nice to know yeah. people in the world yeah. and so cool to watch them grow into their careers. Like, I think that's my favorite part, but yeah, I wouldn't underestimate yeah. the power of connections. I would say. Yeah. Lesson here is use, use LinkedIn. I was shy at first, but yeah. you can't be yes. shy. Um, no. We would be remiss also to not ask any HR centered questions because this is kind Great. of a, you know, job podcast. So we, I think there's two, two to end on, which is, I think a good, a good place to, to stop but so what is the hardest question that you've gotten in an interview personally and what is your favorite interview question to ask or that you've received uh, I would say there's two the first one is probably both actually of what I think people should always ask but it's really hard to answer is mm-hmm. um, do you uh, what's hold on it is do you have any reservations about my skills that I can help address right now it's like, whoa, okay, here we go. Because it's like you're, you're making them be pointed about like, are there any, is there anything that I can help like talk about that maybe you're not sure about for me for the role? And so then they could be like, well, I just don't know if you have experience in X. And then you're like, actually I do here. Let me tell you about it. And so it's just a really good way to um, end the interview. It puts them on a, on the spot. And sometimes people aren't as good about answering. And there, some people are like, well, no, I think you're great. And then you don't get the job. And it's like, well, why didn't I get the job? You didn't, you weren't like honest about your feedback, but, um, right. I, that's one of my actually favorite questions that people ask. So hardest and easy and favorite. Um, but I also think one of my favorite ones that people ask me are like, what are the three top skills or something that this person needs to have in order to be successful because it shows that like they're already thinking about how can they be successful in this role versus you know anything else so it shows they have initiative and then you can then I can explain the role a little bit more of like why I think this person needs to be x y and z so um I think that those are two good questions that people ask one usually my favorite question that I ask people is if I had to call an old boss what would they say about you and it's really interesting. That is a good one. That's a very good one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 
you know, they can say anything, you know, and I, and honestly, I'd be like, cool, that's awesome that they love you or whatever. Yeah. It's just an interesting like way to think, to see of how, how people think. So, um, I would say my interviews aren't that difficult because I'm usually the screener and I just like to see yeah. <laughs> yeah. these people are like, you know, total red flag. Like it usually gets past me, but, um, yeah, those are, I think will be my favorite ones. But yeah, always I mean, this ask conversation questions. Is... My biggest advice in the, all of this, if you take away, always ask questions at the end of an interview, like smart yep, questions definitely. and always send a thank you note. Always. Yes. Because people yep. don't get jobs because they don't send thank you notes. Thank you and notes. it is yeah. the most frustrating thing ever when someone will be like, this candidate was perfect, but they didn't send a thank you note and they don't hire them. And I'm like, this person was perfect. Now I have to keep finding someone because they didn't send a thank you note. That sucks. So I don't know what the deal is, but it's, people aren't yeah. doing it and they yeah. need to. It's the little things. Yeah, yeah. definitely. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So as a, as a final question. Sure. Cause what, you know, what we're curious about is when we send our resume and cover letter and all this stuff into the, <laughs> into space and beamed to the NHR <laughs> professionals computer, what what is the first thing that, you look at and what makes you want to read more of a resume or a cover letter? Cause I think, yeah. I, you know, we've talked about this before Leah, that seeing like, you know, hundreds of resumes every day is, you, you know, you're not going to look at all of them. There's just, it's not going to happen. There's no way. Yeah. So if there is, if there was something like if there was like the, a perfect resume that plopped in your email, yep. like what would, what would it look like? Okay. And how can you tailor your resume to look like something that's more attractive? Yep. So, so from my perspective, CSM doesn't use like an ATS system to like weed out resumes. I look at every single application that comes through, which is a lot of work, but that's the truth. Yeah. I do that. Um, and when I look at an application in total, I want to make sure that the application is complete. So what that may look like is like we have a questionnaire like that's like yes or no questions or, you know, very simple. And some people don't fill all of that out. And I'm like, oh, that's annoying. So that's kind of like strike one. Then I go to resume. And I think the biggest thing is just that it needs to be clear and organized and that there's the grammar is correct. The formatting is like all the same. And my personal opinion, what I like to see is if it's a very technical role, where you have to have certain skills in order to do so, or like we're calling out that you may need to know how to do Salesforce or something. It's really annoying for me to have to like run through a resume to try to look for Salesforce on your resume. I personally believe that you could, depending on the role, but there's like, you could put like a skills section or like what you are, you've mastered or something at the top of your resume. So you pull keywords from, from the job description to say you have Salesforce, Salesforce experience, you have contract experience. I don't know, something um, that's pulled directly from it so that when I go to a resume and it's like, okay, check, check, check. They have Salesforce, they have blah, blah, blah. And so then I'll keep reading after that. But sometimes it's just like the word there's it's, things are too wordy and I'm like, I don't want to keep reading this. This is kind of long. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it's like make the recruiter's job really easy and like put things that are so important at the top of your resume. And I would say for you guys, like obviously going to NYU was really important. You just graduated. You may not have like a ton of experience, but so far, like at this point, 
for me, I'm like, I care that you went to college. I'm glad you went to college. I'm glad you graduated. But like, that's not really the, what's going to get you a job. So Mm -hmm. you may put that at the bottom now because that's not as like, you know, relevant anymore. So always kind of change up your resume to make sure that like, it's the most relevant to the job that you are trying to apply for and make the recruiter's job easy. I think is like the biggest thing that I would say. Cover letters. Hey, those are. Cover letters, unless they're required, I would say don't worry about them. Oh, I don't think about them. That's really good. I haven't been doing them. So, (laughs) my personal opinion, opinion, what I've told you too, is like once you send that resume, you find a person in LinkedIn that is in either like Mm -hmm. that level or level above, and the recruiter send them a note saying you you applied for this role. You're really excited, like. Would love to connect if you have time. Sometimes the recruiter does not have time, but usually the coordinator or senior coordinator or whatever, they have time. So you can get in from an organization. People will send me notes where I, I'm a human. I like miss resumes and applications sometimes where I'm like, I don't know, was, you know, was this one as good as another one? Sometimes I'm like, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But then some, someone from internally will be like, hey, someone reached out to me on LinkedIn. They seem great. I talked to them. Can you just look at their application? And I'm like, oh, okay. So then I do. Um, so that is how you get into places that have a lot of applicants who may have an ATS system or something that's ruling you out because of a stupid thing on your resume. I don't know. But um, always do that. That is how you get jobs. In my opinion. Incredibly helpful. Yeah. Incredibly yeah. helpful. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just glad that me ignoring the cover letters wasn't like <laughs> a huge, a huge faux pas. Because <laughs> that was like, red, you know. red flag yeah. right there. Some places yeah. do it. And, and I'm like, it's kind of nice sometimes when people do it. And sometimes I do read it because I'm like, oh, interested. But unless you're tailoring your cover letter to the actual role, it's not right. worth the time. Because when I look at them and I say, oh, you just literally just changed out CSM to something else. It's like, why'd you even bother? I don't know. Right. So yeah. then I don't hey, look at enough. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can also it can maybe be a bad reflection if oh, it shows that you're like not like oh I'll just put it into a template and yeah and you're that. just sending it Taking out taking that yeah. extra step. But also um, I will ca- caveat with all this of like I'm not a traditional recruiter. This is like how I do it. But <laughs> um, I do think that LinkedIn is really important. So mm-hmm. yeah, that is that is right. something like I I recently have been like oh yeah I should really like go on LinkedIn more. Yeah, because before like in college I was not that into LinkedIn and I was like yeah. ah, how important could it be and it's like oh everyone looks at your LinkedIn I'm like yeah. okay yeah. good to know everyone to does know. Look, at, look at your LinkedIn it's the worst when yeah. people don't have photos I'm like I just want to see what you <laughs> just... look like I don't know yeah. the face of a resume yeah, yeah. I, I, well then I'm I'm glad that I have a picture on my resume now so. I know accomplishes I might, I might need to update mine but yeah <laughs> well andrew you don't need to update yours well yeah now i don't yeah. now i don't that's true <laughs> honestly well, job. here we go yeah, yeah i know i'm excited yeah monday here we go yeah andrew you're a you're a legend we're so excited thank for you, you. <laughs> uh, i actually yeah. have one more question though for you leah yeah so in the age right now where we're like it's so much like you apply online and it's not really that like you turn in a physical resume anymore. How important is it to have a one page resume versus like doing it on like two pages? Cause I've had arguments with numerous people about this. So my suggestion always is like, unless you're a VP and above a one page resume is the way you should go because really there isn't enough stuff for you, unless you're like 
you've literally had a million jobs and you volunteer everywhere and you have like all these things. It is so, it's so much better for you to have something, um, concise and, and tailored to the job that you want because some things like, right. I don't know. I, I was a camp counselor, like in college, like would that maybe if, if I was applying for a role that maybe was at a camp, that would be important. But now it isn't important if I was applying for another HR role. So I take that off. So it's like, that's kind of stuff where mm-hmm. you don't have to put everything that you've ever done. You can also put like affiliations on clubs and things like that. I do think that's important when you're applying, if you were in a fraternity or in another like national club or something like that, where that's an easy, like something that you can talk to when you are like um, interviewing with people. Because when people will, yeah. will be in my sorority, I'll be like, oh, cool. Like, you know, I was a wow wow too. And so it's just an easier like way in, but I don't have to put in like in college, I was right. all these officers in college. Like, I don't know. There, I wouldn't, I would yeah. always keep it to one page unless you really have a ton of work experience in which case, then it's, it's kind of like detrimental not to put that on there. But, and when they print it out, right. it, when in the world of when you did print it out and like it came out in <laughs> two pages and you staple it, it's like, Oh, this is miserable. <laughs> So <laughs> that really is a thing. I hated doing yeah. that. I was like, people, just put it to one page. It's so much easier. I so. just don't like who owns a stapler nowadays. I feel like it's a very, it's a lost exactly. tool. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone's like, where's the stapler? And no one ever has a stapler. Nobody ever knows where the stapler yeah. is. <laughs> so it's a great title for it. It's really, really my biggest suggestion too. Great to know. Yeah. Great. Sad mine is five, but I'll have to. I, I can trim it down. <laughs> Cut it down. Uh, what are you putting? Bit? What are you putting on your resume? It's my entire my the entire full, life in chronological like, order. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was born. You can put all that stuff on LinkedIn. People look at your LinkedIn. You don't have to put it all on a resume, but you can keep. You can that's literally true. put anything you want on. Yeah. There. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just keep it populated. Point. Yeah. Show it's Matt. active. Matt's education section, it goes from like preschool to college and it just like, it, it details every single, every single every teacher. Grade, has, every, every grade. grade I say, <laughs> I'm highly educated. Um, so good. But this has been so helpful. Awesome. I, am sure, I hope Definitely. that people uh, really, we can re-listen to the last 15 minutes of this because it's, for me, you know, as someone who is still looking and has been looking for jobs, this would have been incredibly helpful in May. Um, yeah, <laughs> going into no yeah. longer it's no longer May, but it's not a big deal. That's um, okay. But it's been really, really great having you on. It's been a great awesome. conversation. Well, I'm really super impressed by time. you guys, and really, the world is small. Like, I mean, I knew two of you from Real World, then two of you worked at CSM, and um, it's cool, obviously, to keep in contact with you guys. So, thanks for having me yeah. on. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah thank you no, so much for coming on. Yeah. Hopefully, this is out today. Hopefully. Hopefully. I'm manifesting that goal. into the world. We exactly. are. Um, but again, thanks so much for being here. There'll be some some clips up. You're happy to share this wherever. So we will be back at some point next week. We have a guest for next weekend. <laughs> uh, we'll see about next week. We'll, we'll see. We've got a lot of stuff going on. But again, thanks for tuning in. And we will see you guys later. <laughs>